0: Some days are terrible You wish that you were dead And some days are magical Like great banana bread Someday we'll be
1: friends With the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hi, you guys. Congratulations on still being here and not killing yourself. How you doing? My name's Christina Hutchinson. I'm honored to be the current voice in your head. Thanks for being here. We're all trying I'm sitting in front of my butterfly habitat I'm recording this in my living room Which I usually don't do Um So it might be a little echoey Sorry I'm recording this right before it comes out Sorry Mike What a day what a day I mean okay so much going on in my life Not really but It seems overwhelming cause I'm on my period Thank you Oh my god Uh <laughs> i don't know if it's as you get older your periods get weirder but woo! oh my goodness i'm staring at these butterflies three out of five have come out of their cocoon no not cocoons crystallides. somebody corrected me and i'll never forget it because i was like christina you fucked up stop you are wrong a man corrected you you do not like that but he was right so thank you sir I'm so excited that these butterfly, I get a redo on the butterflies and they're not going to all die a slow death as their wings get stuck to the fruit because I can't leave them outside because it's below 55 degrees and they'd freeze. It's just so much better this time around. So that's a metaphor for my life. I was walking Kevin earlier and I walked outside and there were two helicopters flying over my building and I was like, qua? And then a woman who's running across the street in the middle of the street. That's something New Yorkers do. We just fucking, we cross not at the crosswalks. What are you going to do, right? Hey, we got places to go. Always looking for a shortcut. Not because we're lazy. It's because we want to get to where we want to go quicker. She was like, yeah, there's a fire a block away. And I was like, oh, well, let's go, Kevin. Let, time to go look at the firefighters. And goddamn it, did we look at those firefighters? I walked right up to that goddamn fire with Kevin I had to carry him and then all these people were petting him from behind because he was over my shoulder and I'm like okay can you all right I guess that's fine mm, can you not do that and I was just staring at these firefighters man they had these I don't know what the tools are called <sighs> but god damn it you know it's still I still got it for the firefighters I'm not I don't Not saying all hashtag not all firefighters, but a lot of times they're Republican, but in a way that's Long Island. And I'm not saying that all Long Island Republicans are bad. You're not. But the firefighter, they're just not. uh, It's not what I couldn't date a firefighter based off of everything I know about them. I just think the profession is extremely sexy. And your girl has not had sex in a long time, okay? and so i was just standing there watching those firefighters putting out the fire and poof, i was just looking at their ass i mean i am a fucking perv i'm such a perv but i wasn't saying anything like i was saying things in my head because i'm also a respectful perv and i wish there were more of those in the world i mean maybe there are respectful pervs aren't loud because they're respectful so, yeah, I came back from watching the firefighters and then I was staring at the butterflies. And I'm just like, guys, this world is ever changing. It's warm again. I rollerbladed earlier on my period. I rollerbladed day two of my period. If you're a woman, you know that I deserve a round of applause. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I, I when, day one and two of my period. Now I'm of the Hut. I'm just like, gimme that sandwich now. Give me that fucking sandwich. I allow myself to eat whatever the fuck I want. I'm enthusiastically eat very healthy all the other days of the month, but day one and two of my period. I want shit shot now. That's not job of the hut. I don't know how he sounds, I forget. Give me that shit no, that does not like job of the hut either. You know what I'm getting at. Is anybody else addicted to dried cherries? Because, and maybe it's because I haven't had sex in a very long time. But when I eat dried cherries, the tartness, it, I, it's like I'm having sex in my mouth. It's like two really hot people are fucking in my mouth when I eat dried cherries. And the last couple weeks that I've gone to the grocery store, I get a thing of dried cherries. I was getting two of them. And then I had to stop. I eat the whole container in one sitting. And I try so hard not to, but they're so goddamn addicting. Is, is that is anybody else addicted to dried cherries? I mean, I'm not addicted in the sense that, like, you know, the last time I had them was a couple days ago because I went to the grocery store and bought one tub of them and ate them all in one night. And before I open that tub, I go, Christina, you're not going to eat all the dried cherries. I don't want to look at how much sugar is in these dried cherries because I know it's a lot and I don't need your input right now, food label. Holy hell did I eat all of them. And every time I scooped them up and put them in my mouth, I'm like, oh, this feels so so good. Oh, my God. It's, It's like all is right in the world when I have a scoop of dried cherries in my mouth is anyone else like that it's euphoria not the show on hbo which is very good but kind of triggering if you got a drug addiction (laughs) but good nonetheless oh the euphoria in my mouth when i have dry chair i just can't i've not experienced anything like it in a long time so if you're looking for a new snack (laughs) anybody with a weak will (laughs) beware oh my god it's just something else i'm 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 reading a lot of books y'all reading a lot of books oh let me get this out of the way real quick come see me on tour can you come see me on tour st louis missouri april 1st through 3rd corinne and i are at helium nashville tennessee april 13th corinne and i are at zanies portland oregon what up corinne and i are at helium april 22nd to the 25th i really want to sell all these shows out And I'm doing my affirmations and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I've sold out all my shows. I've sold out all my shows. I've sold out all my shows. I sold them out, right? I'm still working on it. Philadelphia. God, I love you. You're one of my favorite cities. Uh, I'm doing a solo headlining week, April 29th through May 1st at Helium. Very excited. I'm going to have a lot of new material. And my wonderful friend, Vonda Carlo, is going to be featuring for me. I'm so excited for that. And then Kansas City, Missouri, Corinne and I are at the improv May 14th and 15th. Okay. I'm staring at these butterflies. And I'm like, guys, did you do like, do you even know how amazing you are? I don't think they do. Butterflies are very humble. So I'm re- I'm listening to all these audiobooks by Louise Hay because I need, I need the presence of an older woman in my life who's gentle. That's part of my reparenting. a gentle older woman who only says nice things to me okay please only say nice things to me i need that and she does she's got a very soothing voice but i do this thing where i'm obsessed with these books where i buy a physical copy of the book and then i also get the audiobook because i just i need both (laughs) because i want to read excerpts to you which i will at the end of the episode I'm going to read some excerpts on parenting, which made me, woo, gave me the willies. But Louise makes some very good points. And the book I'm going to read from is called The Power Is Within You. And I'm like, it is. And Louise is like, yep. And I'm like, shut up. And Louise is like, I'm not going to shut up because it is. I'm like, Louise. But I've been waking up every morning, looking in the mirror, going, Christina, I love you. You're wonderful. Today is the best day of your life. That's why I say every day. Well, every day for the past couple days, I've been saying that. Past week. Positive affirmations. Let's give it a try, right? Because so many people are like, my life sucks. Well, yeah, it sucks with that attitude. You have the power. Steer your own ship. Time is not real. Death is fake. I repeat, death is fake. I mean, your physical body will die. But when you're here, you might as well have fun while you're here, okay? Okay. But yeah, I was, I was listening to a lot of the chapters about parenting and um, it, ma- it made me realize something. I, why I hate mornings. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I hate mornings, but I, ever since I was a kid, I would always be depressed in the mornings. And I'm talking like five, six, seven, eight years old, like getting up for school. I was depressed and I always thought that it was because I guess I'm not a morning person. No, it was because there was some chaos going on in my home life and I didn't want to see it. So when I woke up, I was like, "Oh, we're still here, huh? That sucks." But okay, <laughs> that's why I didn't like mornings. But another reason why I didn't like mornings—it kind of dawned on me while I was cleaning my house, listening to Louise Hay talk about stuff. My parents would wake me up—not every morning, but most mornings. They would—I we had, we lived in a two-story house, and they would just yell. There was a time in my childhood where when I was like in kindergarten, first grade, they would come up in my room to wake me up like my dad would like tickle my feet and it was really sweet. And I was like, oh, hey, dad. He's like, you got to get up, sweetie. I'm going to make you waffles. And I'm like, "Okay." But as I got older and now I'm talking like six, seven, eight, you know, not that much older. They they wouldn't come up the stairs into my room. They would they would stand at the bottom of the stairway in the landing and just yell christina at the top of their lungs and i would wake up to one of my parents screaming my name and i would and i when i would say because my door was closed when i was sleeping because i didn't want the monsters to get me the metaphorical monsters and the real ones so they couldn't hear me respond so they i would be sleeping and then all of a sudden i would hear
0: christina christina
1: And I would say, I'm up. But they didn't hear me. So I had to scream, I'm up. And it would make me so mad. So, you know, by the time I was nine, when I would get woken up at 6 a.m. in the goddamn morning, I would hear, Christina! And I would go, I'm fucking awake! I didn't say fucking, but I'm awake! Like, it was just a screaming match. Not a good way to start your day. The best part of waking up is not having your parents scream your name and have you go, I'm awake! Fucking shit! Kevin, really? Sorry, my dog is tearing up my sticky notes. Kevin, you suck. Stop. <laughs> I love you so much. Never change. So I think that also contributed to um, me not having a great morning. Oh boy, guys, racism, huh? It's not great. It's very bad. White people, we got mental problems, man. And it's a damn shame that so many folks believe that me saying that makes me a liberal cuck. Well, guess what? Cool, I'm a liberal cuck. I love watching my partner fuck someone else in front of me. And that's the goddamn truth because it's very sexy, it's not a weakness. It's only a weakness if you think it is. And I know it's not. So fuck all y'all. I'm a liberal cuck. Sure. But the shooting. Oh my God. The fucking shooting in Atlanta. So fucking terrible. And I have, there's so many stories that I'm hearing of like comedy, like Asian uh, employees of comedy clubs or comics getting shit thrown at them. And I'm like, what the fuck? God damn whiteies i would love just we just gotta just fucking stop america america is so goddamn racist and i and one of the one of there's a show on netflix a docu-series on netflix that you gotta watch called amend it's hosted by will smith king of king of philadelphia and it's a really informative overview of the history of racism and the history of just people getting rights and I know I've always like you know the term straight white guys you know straight white guys suck straight guys are the word. you know eventually it, it makes everybody roll their eyes right because you're like okay okay but you watch this show amend on Netflix and it's about the importance of the 14th amendment, amendment. not the first and the second of like I could do what I want I could carry a gun yeah if you're white you can But how the 14th Amendment has been one of the most pivotal amendments in the Constitution, all the racial equality, gender equality, uh, LGBT equality all those landmark cases had cited the 14th amendment. And so it's a really great overview of history. And I'm got to say, as we're learning and learning all this stuff, when black lives matter first emerged and then when it reemerged, because black people are still getting killed by the cops. And then you, I, if you're a good whitey, which I hope you are, please, please be good. You research and you listen and you ingest information and you read books by activists and you follow activists online and you listen to what they're fucking saying and, I, and you ingest all this information and so over time I'm realizing how fucked it is that the education in public schools leaves so much of the racism of our society out of teaching I remember I learned about slavery I learned a little bit about Frederick Douglass, but Lincoln was always credited with freeing the slaves. But it was fucking Frederick Douglass. <laughs> this is one of the things I learned from the show. And every time I learned something new, I'm like, God damn it! I how did I not know that? I don't. You don't get. You can't get mad at yourself for not knowing something. But it is. It does make you think uh, that. Oh, do schools not want kids to know this information? I feel like that's correct. But Lincoln, oh my god. One of the things I learned, I think it was like the first or second episode of this docu-series. Lincoln called black leaders to the White House, okay? The Civil War was happening. And so, one of the first things in his presidency was he lost the South. The country is split. And if it, it, it <laughs> Boy, you got to watch this because If you ever hear anybody say the Civil War was not about slavery, that's just not true. You got to get one of these buttons that I have. And the next time you hear somebody go, the Civil War wasn't about slavery. This is my last word. No! Just say, just throw this button at their face. Don't do that. That's going to piss them off. But... My God, the Civil War was exactly about slavery. Lincoln calls Frederick, Frederick Douglass and all these other black leaders to the White House and, and says, Hey, guys, how about you're you're never going to be equal to white people. So let's all move you to South America. And Frederick Douglass, who was a slave, who taught himself to read illegally, who escaped several times. The last time he tried to escape, it was successful. And he took a train to New York. There was a bounty on him because he was property. And he emerged into this incredible activist leader and man. And he was the one to go, Lincoln, we're not going to do that. Like, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but th- these are, I mean, so Frederick Douglass <laughs> should be on the fucking money and not Lincoln. <sighs> But it was also a really cool story about how Lincoln truly came around to understanding how inhumane black people were being treated, you know, slavery, but also just, it just, he blossomed into going, oh yeah, this is fucked up. And Frederick Douglass was like, yeah, it's fucked up, but he said it way more gracefully than that. And, and when, when Lincoln gave the speech and had the Emancipation Proclamation, a lot of the shit he said in that speech was exactly what Frederick Douglass had been saying for a long time. And he taught himself to how to fucking read illegally, Frederick Douglass. I'm like, I want that motherfucker on our money. What a powerful force of a human being Frederick Douglass was. And I, and I, re, you, he doesn't get, at least in my education, I went to public school, he did not get. The kudos that he deserved. My God. But you gotta watch this sh- docuseries, Amend. It's, you, every episode you're gonna go, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Are you fuck? Oh, God damn it. Talks about women's rights. <sighs> the women's movement, man. <sighs> it's just, you know, you learn all these things and you just get so mad. And I, it, it just, ugh, I feel real uh, robbed of the actual education of what actually happened in society. And you see all the ways in which politicians try to trick you into fearing a group of people because of their race or because of who they have want to love and have sex with. Because then it gets into the women's movement, which we owe all that to black people. Women were inspired by Martin Luther King and black people going, hey, fuck all y'all, we want rights. This is separate... separate but equal is not a thing you cannot be equal if you're separate and then women were like yo good job we want that too and then the women's movement because in the 1920s when women fought for the right to vote that was white ladies and i wish i wish i was fucking taught that in school And they there's a lot of activists that are interviewed in this docu series and they have actors um, they have actors do the speeches from these political leaders, good and bad. It's just such a beautifully done piece of historical television. I I, I can't recommend it enough, but I've been watching it this past week and my friend Aya came over on Sunday. And uh, there was a march in Union Square at 10 a.m. on Sunday that was, you know, marching for against racism, against uh, racism towards Asian people. That's that was the specific goal of this march. And it was I, I love this city so goddamn much. I cannot tell you I've never been in love with anyone or anything as much as I am in love with New York City. New York City is the world's city. Because it's 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 unlike any other place in America. And it's where everyone is welcome, you know? That's not to say racism doesn't happen, because it absolutely does. I see it. And it happens way more than what I see. Because I'm in my apartment a lot of times because I've been in a shut-in lately because I'm trying to better myself, just talking to myself in the mirror. But we marched on uh, Sunday morning, my friend I and I... And it was, we were just crying. Oh my God. It was just such a beautiful afternoon. The weather was beautiful. And there was all these people coming together of every race and every age. And you see these, these Asian kids with signs and it's just, it's such such a beautiful thing. And you see, we see white kids, black kids, Korean, every, all the kids. Come together with their parents, and that I don't. I've never seen that anywhere else other than New York City, where parents raise their kids to be activists. I don't think being an activist is not a liberal thing. It's not a. It's not. It's a. It's a human thing, you know. I give a shit if you're being treated disrespectfully or if you're being discriminated against for any reason. I'm gonna fucking march for you and with you, okay? And that's the vibe of New York that I just fucking love so much. Mm, it was great if you and I I, and I thought back to all the times all the marches that I've that I've participated in and they are the most beautiful moments of my life just to see a hundreds thousands of people there's so there was thousands of people marching it felt like we took over the entire streets and the other cool thing is when you march in New York I don't know if this happens other places I'm assuming it does but uh you know activists and stuff the leaders that are kind of organizing this March towards the front and uh, and you take over the streets. There were so many people that you couldn't walk on the sidewalks. You had we the sidewalks were filled and the streets were filled and we were all just fucking marching. And so there are people in bicycles that march ahead of or ride ahead of us to stop the traffic. And a lot of times when we're marching through a road and there's cars that, you know, get stuck in the march, basically, they can't go anywhere. And they're just going to have to wait 10 goddamn minutes for us to fucking march. And then you can go on with your goddamn day. But a lot of the cars will honk their horns and then you see people, um, if you look up, there are apartment buildings on the other side of you and there's people on their stoop. There's people with their windows open and they're cheering you on and they're just filming and everybody is there for one purpose and that's equality. And And it's saying all these people that are participating in this give a shit about things that maybe don't affect them but we care that it's happening and making the lives of others miserable or killing other people it's just so it's just oh my god it's just it's so great it's one of the most beautiful experiences to to participate in in a march like that i highly recommend it and if you're thinking about moving to new york do it it's the best city on the planet And uh, that's not to say bad shit doesn't happen in the city because, of course, it does. But, whew! And then so Aya and I were marching all morning and then we came back to my place and we were watching Amend... I, I kind of picked up where I left off because I was telling her as we were marching. And if the other thing is really cool. Like w- while people are marching, like they're having these conversations with each other about what is your experience like? What is your experience like? My friend Aya was saying, you know, her 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 mom is Moroccan and her dad is from Saudi Arabia. And, and so that there's a lot of racism between the two countries. And she was looked, Aya was looked at as less than, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you guys, it's everywhere it's everywhere but we can defeat it with love and that's what Louise Hay says too and I'm like god damn it Louise shouldn't, shouldn't well at least as far as I know she hasn't talked about race in this but um, she just talks about hate and how it can be diffused by love and it really can so god damn it if you're if you have experienced being belittled because of your race or because of who you love I am whew, I am so fucking sorry, and I will march for you with you until the day I goddamn die. Okay, <sighs> racism blows. It really blows. I was reading this. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of the drug laws. This is, a, you know, a, a sentiment that I had heard. Not, unfortunately, not that long ago. I was not made aware of this sentiment. Um, the drug laws are just. Racist. Drug laws in America are racist. And that's not a liberal cuck thing to say. It's a fact. Just as many white people smoke weed as black people, but who's in jail for it? Black people. And then I was reading, oh my God, I said, so this is an account I follow, House Plantus, P-L-A-N-T-U-S on Instagram. I believe it's, yeah, it's Seth Rogen's. Seth Rogen, man, he's been making uh, bongs and v- vases 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 which one is it i don't know he's been making smoking devices and i've been following him and then i realized he follows me and i was like well aren't i the bell of the ball <laughs> okay um but i follow this account that i'm assuming i think it's his company houseplant.com is a website um but there is a post that i wanted to read um the, the caption of this post, June 17th, 2021, marks 50 years since President Richard Nixon <sighs> hosted a televised press conference to announce the launch of the war on drugs. In doing so, he set into motion dra- draconian, oh, I said it right, anti-cannabis policies that were and remain wrong, racist and unjust. These misguided policies continue to wreak havoc on the lives of millions, especially people of color. Starting today with this post about the history of the so-called war on drugs, We will be sharing information about the devastating toll it has taken on American society. We hope to educate people about why the longest conflict in American history must come to an end. And so this post is a bunch of slides. It says it's time to end the war on drugs. And then this one says the criminalization of cannabis use has always had less to do with public health than public disdain for what Harry (laughs) Anslinger, the father of modern day drug enforcement, deemed the degenerate races and that's in quotes because that's something he fucking said because he's a piece of shit in the 1920s the powers that were were realized marijuana and it's spelled in this post m-a-r-i-h-u-a-n-a And I was like, is that a typo was commonplace among some Mexican immigrant communities. In response, politicians began pushing the narrative that it made immigrants crazy, calling it loco weed and adding the J to make the word seem more Mexican. I mean. Come on, you added the J. Why Why you fucking manipulative, abusive parents, you know, I just mm. and then here we go again, continuing with this post jazz is also linked to cannabis prohibition following World War One tea pads where people would gather to smoke and listen to jazz. That sounds like the best night ever started popping up around America. Prominent musicians like Louis Armstrong became symbols of the negative impact racists felt cannabis and jazz were having on society. (sighs) That's because white people can't dance. And they're mad about it. But instead of learning to dance, they get mad. I mean, also because they're racist. Jazz is also linked to cannabis. Oh, I already read that. The Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act of 1970 was the official start of Americans... America's modern day war on drugs. It established federal penalties for the manufacture, importation, possession, use and distribution of cannabis and enabled then President Nixon and his successors to use drug policy for politics, causing him to link cannabis to anyone who stood in his way. And here's a quote from Nixon. Quote, we need a goddamn strong stance on marijuana, one that tears the ass out of the anti war left and black people. And I was like, oh, oh, that's fun. And then I went to look up the quote because I wanted to, I I looked it up in Google because I was like, wait, what? Because it did one of those things where it said dot, dot, dot. And then, and I was like, what's the full fucking quote? Wait, where was it? And then basically Nixon was like, Everyone who's a (laughs) pro-cannabis Activist, they're all Jews And I was like, yeah, so, who cares God damn it Everyone's so racist (laughs) Well, white people are so racist But he would say, oh god, okay, so (laughs) Guys Where's my pen We're going, so we're going to do a special um, We're going to do a special Fuckboy theater, okay Let's do some fuckboy theater (laughs) to do fuckboy theater, not modern day douchebags on dating apps. But we're going to do fuckboy theater uh Harry Anslinger edition, okay? He was the director of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, and today it's called the DEA. From 1930 to 1962. That's a long-ass time, Harry. Back in the day, he was one of the biggest supporters of prohibition. Sounds like you need a drink, Harry. By using the mass media as his forum, receiving much support from publisher William Randolph Hearst, Ann Slinger was the main person behind the creation of anti-marijuana sentiment during those years. The anti-marijuana propaganda film Reefer Madness from 1936 is a good example of his work. See, this is the thing. This is how fucking manipulative racists are. They, They fund movies that push an agenda to get you scared or to make you think something is bad. The Confederate statues in the South? Those were erected by racist whites. In the I think it was the 60s? I mean, goddamn, you lost. You lost. And you're racist. Can we not have a statue of you at my capital where I pay taxes? Thank you. There were two components to his in his strategy. First, the message that weed is evil. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Have you ever been to a bar? And you see a guy. If you're a woman, you'll you'll know you'll you'll understand this. And if you're a man, you probably will understand this too. Um, but definitely, if you're a woman, when you go to bar and there's one guy that's kind of rocking back and forth, and he has his head pointed down but his eyes are looking up, and you're like, "Well, that's some evil. I don't want to be part of." And he's wasted, and you're like, "I'm gonna get away from that person. He's scaring me." No one's ever scared of a stoned person, cause stoned people sit on their couch. Or they walk around and they're looking up Or they're eating something They're not trying to fuck with you So first the message is that weed is evil Second, racism According to him Only Latinas and black people were smoking marijuana And made them forget their place in society Ew dude Uh, So here are uh, other quotes From Harry Anslinger For Fuckboy Friday Okay Fuckboy theater rather (laughs) I'm so mad I'm like, guys, you're all being tricked. Let's just love each other. Uh, Marijuana, this is quotes. Marijuana, wait, sorry. Marijuana is the most violence causing drug in the history of mankind. Mm. Bitch, no, it's not. Reefer makes, and this is a derogatory term for people of color that I'm not gonna say, think they're as good as white men. Oh my God. There are... 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the U.S. And most are people of color. Words for people of color. I'm not going to say it. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana usage. This marijuana causes white women to seek sexual relations with black people, entertainers, and any others. Yeah, but it's not the weed. Okay? Houston, it's not the weed. Over. This is another quote he said. You smoke a joint and you're, wait, I'm gonna use another voice. You smoke a joint and you're likely to kill your brother. That's just the quote he said. Head of the FBI or the head of the uh, DA, DEA. That's what he said. You smoke a joint and you're likely to kill your brother. Let me tell you, I have a brother and I've smoked a lot of joints. Never once had the desire to kill him or anybody else. Shit, when I'm high, I can't even kill a goddamn roach because I'm scared of it. (laughs) But that's another issue. Here's some more quotes. Marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity, criminality, and death. No, bitch. I just order color lights on Amazon that change colors rapidly to the pattern, to the beat of a music, and I just smoke and look at the light bulb, okay? No one who smokes weed is going to kill you. I mean, they, I mean maybe if it's a really bad person they. Do, but it's not because of the weed I have never been scared of a high person high on marijuana ever here's another quote no one knows when he places a marijuana cigarette to his lips whether he will become a joyous reveler, reveler in a musical he- heaven a mad insensate that's not a word a mad insensate? a mad insensate? a calm philosopher or a murderer bitch shut the fuck up oh okay and this is the last quote i'm gonna read because it's so funny if the hideous monster frankenstein came face to face with marijuana he would drop dead of fright and scene Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I did get a BFA in from New Manhattan College. Thank you. I know I didn't graduate. I was a couple credits shy because my advisor fucked me up. But it's okay. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it's just a lot of racism, and you got just be aware of it. You gotta you gotta be aware of it, so that when you have a conversation with your shithead coworker and he says some shithead things or she, you actually have some knowledge to impart. okay knowledge is power and a lot of that knowledge was kept from us in fucking school and all these people trying to make us think oh america is not racist you fucking yeah it is it's very racist so and we if we want to stop that we gotta give a shit i feel like if you're listening to this it's likely that you do give a shit but in the off chance that you don't give a shit okay all right, I'm gonna read. <laughs> I'm so all over the place. One, I'm very caffeinated. Two, I came back from staring at the asses of hundreds of firefighters, and I—I'm I, being a little hyperbolic with hundreds, but there was tens of them, and they were holding these metal swords. They weren't really swords, but they kind of looked like they were. And I was like, "God damn, break that glass, Daddy." Okay, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read some some thoughts from Louise Hay from chapter ten. Uh, the power is within you. This is a great fucking book. Okay, it's a great book. Talked a lot about positive affirmations. And then after that, I'm going to read some magical emails, and you should send me more. Keep sending them to me. The Voices in Our Heads podcast at gmail.com. Okay, this is from chapter 10. It's called Growing Up and Getting Old. Ooh, sexy. He's got their dick in their hand. B, oh, this quote. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to the audiobook last night, and she said this quote, and I was like, damn. Be as understanding with your parents as you want them to be with you. Damn, <laughs> that hurt. But that's true because for the and the reason that quote resonated with me personally is because I'm always on the defense of like, is someone trying to screw me over? You know, uh, my parents—they're trying to piss me off by by deliberately misunderstanding me. Bitch, calm down. No, they're not. They were raised a certain way and they're raising you the way they know how. And if that doesn't work for you, you gotta use your words and you gotta say stuff. And Louise Hay, whew, boy, she gotta... Hello? Hello? I'm recording a podcast. Oh, is it a package? Okay, can you leave it there? Thank you, appreciate it. (laughs) my buzzer didn't ring maybe the front door's open anyway uh kevin it's chaos y'all in the hutchinson home and that's okay (laughs) i wonder how many times that delivery guy has heard can you just leave it i'm recording a podcast (laughs) probably a lot because so many people have podcasts which is good we're all talking about shit okay so here we go here we go um wait let me see make sure this is what i want to read okay yeah many of you continue to have power struggle games with your parents as you grow older yeah you might say louise you might say parents push a lot of buttons Uh uh-huh so if you want to stop playing the game you're gonna have to stop taking a part in it ouch louise just hit me again it is time for you to grow up and decide what you want Ooh, harsh truths you can begin by calling your parents by their first names and when she said that i was like isn't that cunty calling the mommy and daddy when you're in your 40s only keeps you stuck in the little child role and i'm like i mean is there 40 year olds walking around saying mommy and daddy have you ever heard mommy and daddy out of the mouth of a 40 year old or up if so ugh. I, I mean I call my mom ma which <laughs> ma just like when they used to wake me up as a child ma <laughs> I just scream it but I don't call them mommy and daddy ew also side note I was thinking a lot about how the word daddy is very sexual to the point where when I hear a child say it I'm like uh, is she being trafficked but I'm like oh that's a child and her father I guess that's the word daddy is so sexualized the word mommy not sexualized at all mommy is the least sexy word in the goddamn english language have you is mommy used? i mean mommy mom mother no one's getting horny over those words and then i'm like well that's goddamn unfair but also i agree like ugh. Anyway, another suggestion is to write an affirmative treatment that details the kind of relationship you want with your mother and or father. Begin declaring these words for yourself. After a while you could tell him or her face to face. If your mother or father is still pushing your buttons, you are not letting either of them know how you really feel. And I was like, well I mean I'm trying Louise, Jesus Christ You have a right to have the life you want (sighs) Thank God You have a right to be an adult. It may not be easy. It sure as hell ain't, Louise. I know. First, decide what it is that you need, and then tell your mother or father what that is. All right, well, I guess that's a good point, Louise. Use your words. Don't make them wrong. Ask, how can we work this out? Remember, with understanding comes forgiveness, and with forgiveness comes love when we progress to the point where we can love and forgive our parents we will be well on our way to being able to enjoy fulfilling relationships with everyone in our lives and I so that part of the book I was uh, I read recently but she talks about parent stuff um, I don't know if it was earlier in this book yeah she talks a lot about parent stuff because keep in mind Louise was sexually molested when she was a very young little girl a little five year old little girl okay she was sexually molested and her by her I believe it was her step parent father and her mom did not stick up for her so she's been through some shit it's not like she's just cruising on a yacht going guys forgive your parents Jesus Christ no she was molested and a lot of people were molested in fact and we should keep talking about that okay because boy oh boy if people talked about molestation of children and rape as often as we talk about coronavirus I feel like maybe we could get some legislation in place but you know no one cares yet well people do care but not enough so we need to keep talking about it okay and then I highlighted in another place oh chill oh god yeah separation and divorce growing older graciously oh maybe I didn't want to okay yeah Teens need self-esteem. Yeah, they do. It alarms me that the rate of suicide among our teenagers is so on the rise. It seems that more and more young people feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities of life and would just soon give up rather than to persevere and experience the multitude of adventures that life has to offer. Much of this problem has to do with the way we as adults expect them to respond to life situations. And I've listened to that part and I was like, thank you, Louise. thinking back to all those times my freaking parents were so goddamn harsh on me and didn't ever ask me hey are you okay do we want them to react as we would do we bombard them with negativity the period between ages 10 and 15 can be very critical a very critical time. Children in that age group have the tendency to conform, and they will do anything to be accepted by their peers. In their need for acceptance, they often hide their true feelings for fear that they will not be accepted and loved for who they really are. The peer pressure and societal stress that I experienced when I was young – pale in comparison to that which today's young people must endure and yet when i was 15 due to physical and mental abuse i left school and home to be on my own think how jarring it must be for the child of today to have to deal with drug abuse physical abuse sexually transmitted diseases peer pressure and gangs and family problems on a global level nuclear war environmental upheavals crime and so much more and i'm going to add in there racism As a parent, you can discuss the differences between negative and positive peer pressure with your teen. Peer pressure is all around us from the moment we are born until the day we leave the planet. We must learn how to deal with it and not let it control us. And that's something I'm still working on. Similarly, it is important for us to gain some knowledge and understanding of why our children are shy, mischievous, sad, slow in school, destructive, etc. Yeah, instead of like yelling at your kid, be like, hey, what's going on? In a loving way. I don't know if that sounded loving or not. Children are strongly influenced by the thinking, feeling patterns established in the home, and he or she may or they or them makes daily choices and decisions from that belief system. If the home environment is not conducive to trusting and loving, the child will seek trust and love and compassion elsewhere. And in all the wrong places. Many gangs are a place where children feel safe. They form a family bond, no matter how dysfunctional it is. I truly believe that a lot of hardships could be avoided. If we could only get to pe- young people to ask themselves one important question before they act, and this is this goes out to all of y'all too, will this make me feel better about myself? I'm just gonna pause. So you can let that sink in. <laughs> so yeah, the power is within you, Louise. Hey, baby. All right, I'm gonna end this episode on some magical emails, of magical experiences. Okay, here's an email. Hello, Christina. I know a couple episodes back, you were talking about past life regression and I'm catching up, so I thought I'd share a story with you, although it's a little late. It's never too late, y'all. Keep sending me these stories. Seriously, I, I love reading them and I love sharing them. My name is Emily... I'm a twenty-seven-year-old white woman. I live in a small area in a southern state. I don't know, you didn't say I can't say it, but it's just in case. And have lived in the South my all my life. When I was a preteen, I started becoming very interested in Asian cultures. I've always adored the food, the music, language, and pop culture, and overall traditional culture of primarily Korea, Japan, and China. I wanted to learn everything I could about them. Since I am from the rural rural South, we don't have a huge Asian community. It has risen over the years, but as a kid, I didn't have any asian friends i didn't really see many asian families around either so i had zero firsthand experience in or around any of their cultures it was always weird to me why i was so fascinated by it because it's such a random thing for a white girl from the south to be obsessed with my mom mentioned to me a while back that when i was about four or five years old i told her a story about how i lived in china and i was like oh girl you talking about a past life that's fucking cool as hell she was super confused, obviously, but I kept talking about it. I told her about my family there and my village. She told me that I said it with absolute certainty. And that's what they said in the, in the surviving death docuseries on Netflix when they interviewed the kids about the past life thing. The comments from the psychologists were like, they just said it with absolute certainty and their children. I knew of a village and a family in China. I knew of a village and a family in China that I belonged to. I described to her my mom, dad and siblings and where I lived in China. Since I didn't know any Asian families, it's not like I could adopt a story from somewhere and regurgitate it back to my mom, nor did she ever really teach me about China at that age. I just didn't it just didn't make sense for a child that young to spout a story like that. I often forget about that story since I have no recollection of it. So your podcast got me thinking, is this an explanation for my unusual adoration of Asian cultures? I think it is. And I think you had a past life where you lived in China and you fucked around in China and you were Chinese. That I can't I don't have proof of that, but boy, oh boy, if you look up past life kids and past life stories. It's a wormhole, y'all. It's a fun one. Okay so this is the last email i want to read and this made me um cry so get ready get she's ready hi christina and kevin i've written you many times before so i won't waste your time repeating the same praises well you can do that if you want um you already know you're a bad bitch motherfucking Blades, multi-talented queen moving on please don't use my name i will not I hesitated to even write this because I'm an exceptionally logical person and can always find ways to write these signs off as coincidence. Yes, Houston, I know coincidences don't exist. She said that and I read it like that. Uh, And how significant can a common flower really be? But when you know, you know, you know, (laughs) that's going to be the title of the episode. I have several examples, but I'll tell you the earliest example of this phenomenon in my life. When I was 16, for a few months, I had a girlfriend named Sam. She always had a smile and was ready for a good time. One of, these, one of those people that just lights up a room. It wasn't all that serious, but ended pretty ugly. She apologized for her role in the breakup, but I held a grudge. She would write me just to see if I was okay and ask if we could talk or be friends. She came by my work to give me an invitation to her graduation. I didn't go. I didn't respond. I didn't forgive her. I held that grudge for about a year until she unexpectedly and tragically died. Obviously, at that point, all my resentment seemed so petty and I felt guilty that I wasted precious time with someone so magical." After her funeral, I started seeing sunflowers all over the place, her favorite flower. I intuitively knew it was her leading me to those places, and it filled me with such joy. I decided I would get a sunflower tattoo uh, for my first as soon as I turned 18 as a way to always carry her with me. Several months later, I visited a friend's house, and I immediately noticed a vase with sunflowers in the center of the table that some friends and I were sitting around. Oh, there she is again. Hi. Hi but over the next few minutes i kept getting drawn back to it see because this is what i'm saying guys with the intuition like if you're jogging through a park and something says go down this path you know just that's that could be your dead friend Even even though death isn't real that could be a spirit guide just you know these these urges or these gravitational pulls listen to them uh okay so oh there she is again but over the next few minutes I kept getting drawn back to it and started to think it looks oddly familiar, this vase on the on the coffee table. Then I realized it looks identical to a vase I bought for this girl and stuffed the fake flowers for Christmas. So I asked, where did you get that? And my friend said, oh, it was hers, this girl. It was. Uh, it was in her apartment. Her family had us come and take the stuff we wanted. That was her favorite flower, and it reminds me of her energy, so I snagged it. He had no idea I had given it to her. It meant so much to me in that moment that she had kept my gift and I and didn't throw it out in spite of me like I did with her gifts, that she continued to hold space for me despite me being a total brat, that she took the time after death to repeatedly show me that she's still with me and cares. Whew! This experience really solidified that it's totally valid to get a mystical sunflower tattooed on my body, and I totally did that as soon as I got to college. I felt her with me then and still do all the time. And Sam, that's her name. I'm assuming I can say that name. And Sam, if you can hear this, I'm so sorry. I should have shown you grace. I should have kept you in my life. I wish I hadn't broken your trust. I wish you could have told me, what you were going through and i want to thank you for teaching me the value of forgiveness i've surely never made that mistake again i hope you know that i would do it all differently and i'll never forget your warm loving spirit say hi again soon i really miss you guys thanks for listening to the voices in our heads i really appreciate it be good to one another guys just let's all get each other's backs. Let's all we all have the power to love each other unconditionally, even if we don't know each other, but especially if we do. So may you go into the world with love in your heart and a butterfly on your shoulder and a and a Kevin on your couch and just be good. Thank you guys, I love you all, and I will talk to you next Wednesday.
0: Please forgive me. I don't know what I do. Please forgive me. I can't stop loving. Best times together Feels like the first touch We're still getting closer, baby Can't get close enough Still holding on You're still number one I remember the smell of your skin I remember it. I'll remember you